This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. God is so good. He's so powerful. And I'm glad He's still changing lives. I'm glad He's still the one who can be born, not just in Mary, but He can be birthed in you, in people today. Just like Mary, she received the Word. She received the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God hovered over Mary and she brought forth Jesus. The Spirit of God hovers over every person that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord. And He comes by His Spirit to live on the inside of us. And then we're carriers. We're contagious then. With the love of God. With His peace. Because we're to carry His message. His ministry. See, Jesus had a message of reconciliation. Peace from God. He had a ministry about that peace. That God was no longer angry or mad. He, there had been a judgment made on sin in our behalf. Jesus becoming our sin paying the debt that we could never pay, and therefore peace was released from God to man through Jesus Christ. And through the finished work, through the price that He paid at the cross, now we can come to God at any time because of what Jesus did. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace because of the cross. It's a throne of grace and mercy that you can come to because of the cross, because of the blood, because of the price that was paid. We're welcome there. You can come boldly, even in your mess, even in sin, you can come boldly there and receive forgiveness, receive peace, receive strength, receive His grace and ability, even cry out, Help me, Jesus! And there He is on the scene. He's a good God. He's worthy to be praised and worthy to be worshipped. Not just during December, but all year round in the hearts of believers. Those that know Him. It's one thing for Him to release peace towards man. It's another thing for people to be at peace with God. You know, He, he died for us, but it's no good unless we receive it. Everyone has the potential to have a relationship with God, but only those that receive Him, only those that make Him Lord can have that relationship. And that's what God wants for our lives. So we need to remember the, the reason for Christmas and remember we're to celebrate it all year round. Now today we're going to have some food and and a time of just gather together and have a great time. But we do have a special visitor today, and that's Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but since he's here with us today, I thought it would be good to share his beginning. And he had a beginning. And when you study this out, the one we call uh, Santa Claus is from the Middle East, from what we call Turkey today. His name was uh, Nicholas Amara. And he was a devout Christian. 
And he did wear red robes and had a full white beard. Now, he wasn't big and as we see the pictures, you know, that, that was Coca-Cola advertising. <laughs> That's where that picture came from. 30 years, they ran, they uh, had this advertising of Santa Claus, and he looked that way. But he was uh, a man who was brought up in a Christian home. And his parents taught him to be givers. And because they were givers, they became quite wealthy. His parents did. And they were always giving. They were always blessing. And this really got to uh, Nicholas and got in his heart. In fact, his favorite scripture, uh, scriptures were the two commandments. And that was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And he took those very seriously uh, as he was growing up. Now, when he was about uh, his later teens, his parents died. A, a plague came, and they died, and he was very wealthy. And he said, Lord, I want to honor you and honor my parents. And he decided that he was going to give away all of his inheritance. He was going to serve God, and he was going to bless people. And so that's what he did. He looked for opportunities. When he was age 20, he entered into the priesthood and he served. And he was known for his generosity, of course, because he was giving money all the time and, and blessing people. And this first started when he knew of a family that the, the uh, family had lost everything that they had. They had nothing. And the they had three daughters. The oldest daughter was actually going to be sold into slavery to take care of their debt and to take care of them. And Nicholas found out about this, and he, he liked to give in secret that only God saw it. And so he went at night, and he threw a bag of gold through the window. Now, legend says that there was a stocking hanging by the fireplace to dry out. That's what they did. They, they dried them out. And this bag of gold fell right into that stocking. And they got the next day and they found this. They, of course, they didn't have to sell their daughter into slavery. And they were rejoicing. And they thanked God because they'd been praying for a miracle. And here came this miracle. And this money actually, he, he threw a bag of gold, but it lasted them for a year. And when the, the daughters were ready to get married, they had to have a dowry, uh, and they had no money for that. Uh, they'd ran out of the other money, and here comes Nicholas again. He does it again. He actually, on the third time, he got caught. The father called him. He said, why didn't you tell us? And that thanked him and everything. He's, and Nicholas said, because it's good to give when only God knows. And that, that's what really started secret giving. And that's what he, he lived by. He was known as a man of prayer. Many great miracles happened. Uh, he had a dream. And he saw three uh, boys that were murdered and, and killed. And when he woke up from the dream, he ran and found the innkeeper. 
And he said, we need to look here. There were some boys. And he told them about the dream. They went. They found the boys. Now, here's where his faith was. He said, these are little kids. And he loved kids. And he said, we're going to pray to God. And they were all three raised from the dead. That's the faith that this man walked in. And he had many of these. I think there was like 12 that were raised from the dead uh, in his ministry. And he was just such a great man of prayer. But his favorite thing was love for children. And he would carry bags of candy and little toys around. And when he hit the streets, all the kids came after him because all kids like candy. <laughs> And he would sit them down, give them candy, and he would tell them about Jesus. And he would always end with this, Jesus loves the little children, and Jesus loves you. And many children got born again because of his ministry, came into the kingdom because of what he did. Many churches were named after him. They finally made him the bishop and the... They were in prayer sessions and they could not come up with who will be uh, the bishop to take over. And the eldest one had a dream. And then the dream said the first priest to come through the doors of chapel is to be the bishop. And who walks through? But Nicholas. And by the way, in the dream, um, he said, this is the man I have chosen to be the bishop and he said his name would be Nicholas. Now, they had many priests. He did not know Nicholas, but he said, who are you? And he said, I'm Nicholas. And he said, you're the bishop. And he said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he was very humble, and he refused it at first, but then he accepted it. That's where Santa Claus came from. He is a lover of God, a devout follower of God. So when you, kids, when you get your picture, and adults, you get your picture of Santa today, remember that Santa Claus is a follower of Jesus Christ and a lover of God. And all the giving and everything is giving honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, everything that I give, every piece of candy, every bit of money I give, I give because of Jesus and give him the praise and the honor. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, kids, if you have any other questions about Santa Claus, ask your parents. Because I am a wise man. In Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to be brief this morning. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king... Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. By the way, just for your information, it never says there was three wise men. There's no number. Uh, some commentaries you read, they think there may have been 150 or so. And the history, it all comes through Daniel. But we're not going there right now. Verse 2, same where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among you the rulers of Judea. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the young child, and when he had found him, bring, bring word to me, and I may come and worship him also. Of course, we know that Herod wanted to kill him. When the wise men didn't come back, he went ahead and issued a decree that every boy child two years and below would be killed. He was trying to kill Jesus. Uh, the Messiah. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. Notice they came into the house. The wise men, these, they did not come to the manger, they came to the house because it had been two years. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to look just for a few moments at these three gifts that these wise men brought. They were seeking the king of the Jews. They had been looking for 490 years because they were looking from the prophecies that Daniel had told about this coming king that would be born. And they offered him gifts. This is uh, from a daycare uh, teacher. I was reading the story of Jesus' birth to my daycare children one morning. As usual, I stopped to see if they understood what do we call the three wise men, I asked. The three maggots, replied the bright five-year-old. What gift did the magi bring baby Jesus, I corrected. Gold, frankincense, and smurfs, <laughs> said the same five-year-old. <laughs> the number one gift I want to talk about is myrrh. And myrrh was a gift for one who would die. When Jesus was buried, he was anointed with myrrh. And that's a perfume used to embalm and prepare bodies for the grave. So Jesus came. The gifts tell us about Jesus. He came. He was born to die. He came to die for us, to pay the price, the ransom price for us, that we could be brought back to God. The Old Testament prophesies it, the Gospels record it, the epistles explain it. He died so man could be forgiven, justified, cleansed, and redeemed. He died to destroy him that had power of death, that is, the devil. He died to bring us to God and make us new creations. He was born to die. He was born to die that we could be born again and live. 
The second thing is frankincense. It was a gift for a priest. Under the Old Covenant, they would burn frankincense. The priest would. They would go into the holy place and they would burn frankincense. Along with the sacrifices, you, many times you'll see in Scripture, frankincense. When Jesus rose from the dead, what did he become? Our great high priest. So this gift shows that he would be a priest. And we find in Hebrews many scriptures about what kind of priest he would be. In Hebrews 9.11, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that great perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made with human hands and not part of this created world. Once for all time he took blood into the most holy place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took his own blood. It, with it he secured our salvation forever. There will never be a time that your salvation comes into question or in doubt. A billion years from now, your salvation doesn't run out. It is eternal. It's been bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And here's our high priest. He's really the, our security or the surety of our covenant. In Hebrews 8 verse 1, here's the main point. Our high priest sat down in the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. There he ministers in the sacred tent the true place of worship that was built by the Lord, not by human hands. But our high priest has been given the ministry that is far superior to the ministry of those who served under the old laws. For he is the one who guarantees for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. He guarantees that every word of our covenant, every promise is a guarantee. It's always yes with God. It's not a maybe, it's not a no. It says it's yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The promises are always yes. Why? Because Jesus backs up those promises. The word is, a, is guaranteed because of what Jesus did for us. In the Latin language, priest means bridge builder. Jesus received the gift of frankincense because he would become our priest. And he is our bridge builder. He built the bridge where we can have a relationship with God again. When man fell in the garden, God worked for thousands of years to get us back to the place that we could have relationship with him again. And that was purchased and bought through Jesus Christ. And now you can have relationship with the creator of the universe. The one who put the stars in the heavens. The one who knows every single person in the universe. Who knows you better than you know yourself. Has the very head, hairs on your head counted. You can have a relationship with him. And he loved you so much. He said, I'm not going to do like I did with Adam have to come saying, I'm going to put myself in them by my spirit. So now the spirit of God lives in you. He loves you so much, he couldn't do without you. He didn't want you going anywhere without him. So he took up residence on the inside of your heart. 
I mean, no, it's fairly close. God is close. And the last one is gold. And gold is a gift for a king. Royalty. And he is our king. It says the wise men were seeking him born king of the Jews. John 6, 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. While Jesus valued being able to meet the natural needs of people, his kingdom, listen to this, his kingdom was not going to be established that way. His kingdom would be built through changed hearts. Lives that were changed by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And that little skit we did is all about changed lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing too hard. There's no life that He can't change. There's no one that He can't save. There's no one that He can't deliver. The power of the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of every believer. And when you submit to His kingship and for Him to rule in your heart and life, He will change you from the inside out and you'll never be the same again. And you're always changing. He's always causing you to come to the place of conformity of the Son, even in the natural when you walk in this earth. God is a good God and He doesn't leave you in the mess that you're at. He wants you to come out of the mess and have a testimony about His great love and His great goodness and mercy and power in our behalf. It says that we're to have faith in Him, believing in Him, trusting in Him. And faith works by love. And that love is a complete understanding of how much He loves us. And when you look at Christmas, when you look at the birth of Christ, you come to an understanding of what great lengths God went to to get Jesus into earth. And then you look at the price that he paid. Never being separated from God the Father. God the Father had to turn his head and be separated. The word says for a brief moment, he turned his head. But on the third day, the power of the Holy Spirit raised him up from the dead. And now he's alive and he lives. But he wants to live in you and he wants to live through you. He wants us to influence the world. He wants us to make a difference because he's given us his ministry of reconciliation and his message of reconciliation. Let me help you with the word reconciliation. Whenever you see reconciliation, Think of peace. It's the message of peace. That God sent the Son to pay the price for your sins. In every place that you miss it, the price has been paid. Will you receive the gift of salvation? Will you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and live for Him? That's really the question today. I want you to bow your heads. That's the question that I want you to consider for just a moment. What a great time to be born again, to be His. How do you do that? You ask Him into your heart. You ask Him into your life. It's a choice. He'll not force you to make this decision. He'll not force you to trust in Him. He wants you to make that choice. 
He didn't create us to be robots. He wants us to love Him willingly and to come to Him. Jesus said you must be born again. What does that mean? It means to give all your heart and all your life to Him. Leave your life and gain His life. And He said, I will bless you with abundant life. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will come on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. There's a secret place inside. Peace on the inside because of your relationship with God. Today I want to give you an opportunity if you've never called upon Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Today is the day of salvation. I want you to make this choice. It's the greatest decision that you can make in this life. No other decision compares to this decision. Will you make Him Lord? Will you trust in Him? Will you serve Him? Will you follow Him? And you can be like one of these that testified before you this morning where they were, but what God did in their heart, in their life. See, there is a hell to shun. But God did everything He could that you would not go there. Choose life. Choose Jesus. If that's you this morning, you're choosing Jesus. Or maybe you made this choice before and you know you're not serving Him. You know you're not walking with Him. You need to get right with God. You get in on this too. I want you to lift your hand if you're coming to Jesus today. Are you getting right with Him? Are you rededicating your life? Saying, I will serve Jesus. I will live for Him. Just lift your hand. And we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's all say this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the price that was paid for me. He died with my sins. He died for me walking as an enemy to God. He went to a cross. He died in my behalf. I receive his lordship. I know he was raised from the dead. And now I choose to live for you, Lord. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. And I'll be changed. And I thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.